Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Woods, your Valley News Dartmouth football podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Rosenberg. Well, as Buddy Chiefens keeps saying, the Big Green are in uncharted waters, losing their third straight close game last week to Yale, 24-21. Dylan Cadwallader made his first career start at quarterback in place of Nick Howard, and he turned in a solid performance, completing 28 of 45 passes for 248 yards with two touchdowns and also rushing for a score. But after a pair of fourth quarter touchdowns that cut a 17-point big green deficit to three, Cadwallader threw an interception in the final minute to seal the game for the Bulldogs. Receiver Johnny Barrett had a career game. He hauled in 12 passes for 132 yards and a first quarter touchdown. Paxton Scott caught his first touchdown pass of the year. Dartmouth had very little run game to speak of, and Yale rushed for 270 yards behind an overpowering offensive line. This week, Dartmouth is back home for a non-conference game against in-state rival New Hampshire with the Granite Bowl trophy on the line. Wildcats are 4-2 with one of the losses to an FBS team in Western Michigan. They've won all four of their games in Colonial Athletic Association play. We'll talk to Coach Stevens later in the show, as usual, but first I had the chance to speak with Alan Lessels this week. Alan covers the Wildcats for the UNH Athletic website through UNH Insider. He's worked for media outlets all across New England, including the Valley News. Here's my interview with Alan Lessels on Inside the Woods. And joining me now, we've got Alan Lessels covering UNH football and other sports for uh, the Wildcats Athletic website. Uh, UNH Insider. Uh, Alan, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. Benjamin, how are you? Doing well. Busy time of year, but can't really complain. Uh, so yeah, can you just tell me a little bit a little about yourself, journalism background, how you got into covering UNH? Yeah, well, it goes back a ways. I've been doing this for a while. I, I, um, I went to UNH back in the 70s and um, get out of the UNH and I've been doing, <clears throat> I've worked for newspapers most of my, all my life, basically. And and uh, worked for various newspapers around New England, including the Valley News back in the seven, late 70s. And, um, you know, worked at the Monitor for a little bit when I first got out of school and bounced around some and worked at the Boston Globe for a while and then Union Leader in Manchester. And, and about uh, nine years ago, <clears throat> I went down to UNH or went over to UNH and started working for UNH as a as a features writer, writer, basically. So I cover a lot of sports over there, but with a lot of focus on or a lot of uh, attention to football, particularly and men's hockey and kind of the revenue producing sports. But we'll do uh, before I, this morning, I've been working on field hockey as well. So same thing, you know, it's getting this pretty busy time of year with, with all these fall sports going and hockey's now started for, for UNH and basketball will be right behind. So there's a lot going on. Yeah, busy time of year. The sports season is just always creeping up on us with, the, with these overlaps. Uh, how does UNH treat this game with the rivalry aspect of it? It's, you know, a break in the middle of the conference schedule for both teams is not always ideal. Yeah, you know, and it's, I think both teams in some ways, I think as far as, as far as I can tell from Dartmouth anyway, do come at it the same way that they're, you know, it's, it's, they consider, UNH maybe more so considers it a rivalry game. You know, it's a, a battle for, for supremacy, I guess, in the state of New Hampshire, if you will. And, you know, they, they brought back the granite bowl, which a granite piece of stone last year and, you know, competed for that. And, you know, UNH has always considered it. Um, and, and though it has been played every year, obviously in recent, 
you know, in the last couple of decades, but it's never actually, I guess, been played every year. But, you know, when it does get played, UNH considers it one of its rivalry games. UNH has a huge rivalry with the University of Maine. You know, they play at the end of the season. And when the Dartmouth game comes around, the, the coaches in particular, I mean, sometimes I'm sure the same with Dartmouth or less so with Dartmouth or more so, I guess you'd say with Dartmouth, you know, there's a handful of kids on UNH, probably certainly more than at Dartmouth that, you know, University of New Hampshire players who are from New Hampshire, um, a couple of starters are from New Hampshire, you know, but it's not, it's not that, you know, it's not that there are so many kids and they're not that there's so many, they, they overlap, I'm sure, in recruiting some, but um, Rick Santos from UNH was asked about that yesterday on a media call, uh, the league media call, and he pointed out that Dartmouth, you know, recruiting nationally is, you know, not not always recruiting in the same kids. You know, there there are times I'm sure they go head to head recruiting wise, but but it's still a game in the state. It's a team, you know, teams that are a couple hours apart. You know, and it's a fun game to play. And it's been a weird series too, Benjamin. I'm sure you know that. You know, it's been a very streaky series where Dartmouth absolutely owned it in the early years. I mean, it goes back a hundred years or so or Dartmouth owned the early years. And then, you know, there've been lulls in it that they haven't played. And then New Hampshire took over and New Hampshire owned it for a long time. And now we're back to where Dartmouth has won the last two. So, you know, you like I said, UNH considers it a rivalry game, but, you know, a, a fun game too. A lot of, I think a lot, a lot of alums, you know, enjoy it, especially older alums, you know, enjoy the, the fact, you know, that the two teams get to meet on the field, which is kind of a, a treat, you know, and you get, you only get a few uh, non-conference games. So when Dartmouth is one of them, it's a, it makes for a fun game. Yeah, definitely. It's been a pretty impressive start for Wildcats so far. They have struggled outside of the conference though. You know, what do you attribute that to? Is it they just sort of save their best for, for the CAA opponents? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, it was interesting. Good for them. I think they started with two CAA games. So, you know, they were, they were real dialed in and stuff and, you know, they got those two wins. Then North Carolina Central was a home game, you know, and, and a team that they've never played before and I don't think knew a whole lot about. And, you know, at there's probably a little, you know, you were in the CAA and it's considered one of the best conferences in the country by most people. You know, there, there's certainly a couple other conferences that would say they are the best teams or best conferences. But, you know, CAA tends to be pretty good and competitive and get a lot of teams ranked and into the national tournament. And not knowing much about North Carolina Central, I think they might have overlooked them a little bit, you know, and not, you know, not giving them their their due. Um, and they came into Durham and they were very impressive, very good. You know, UNH had trouble stopping the quarterback who was a, you know, a runner and passer, you know, and they got they lost that game. And, you know, then they, they came back with a really good game at Towson and won it, uh, another conference game. And now they've gone, then they went out to Western Michigan and, you know, an FBS school that, you know, that, that game was you know, at 44-7, I think. And, you know, it was a, that was a tough road. You know, those are always tough games. UNH in the past has won, won a few of those games. But, you know, when you go into that level and, you know, they have more scholarships and they're bigger and stronger, you know, kind of across the board, you know, it gets a little tough. So, you know, the out-of-conference schedule has been, been, been a good out-of-conference schedule as far as competitive games. You know, they're, there aren't a lot of teams around that, you know, you can just think you're going to, okay, chalk that up, you know, pencil it in as a win, I think. Yeah, definitely. Pretty strong offensive uh, performances so far for, for UNH. Who's been really making that offense go? Well, they've got a, the quarterback is a sophomore, I guess. You can, who can tell who's what year in, the, in this day and age with between COVID and extra years and transfers and stuff. But uh, Max Brosmer is a quarterback and, 
he quarterbacked the team in 2019. And then, you know, then COVID hit, you know, they, they played one game in the spring of 2020. And then last year, going into last year before the season started, he blew out his knees. So he was done and uh, did not play. So he was coming back from having played basically one game in, in two, at least two years, more than two years. And um, so there wasn't little concern of how he'd be. He'd, 2019, he was pretty good, um, but he was a true freshman that year. He's come in and he's, he's had a pretty good handle on the offense. And um, it's been a running, it started out, they want to, as every team wants to establish the run and, and probably the best offensive player is Dylan Lobby, who's a, again, a junior, I think, but he's, he's a strong runner out of New York and also can catch passes out of the backfield. I think he's rushed for six touchdowns this year. He's tough for tough runner. Um, so the offense has been kind of built around him. And bro, and part of the reason for that was to let Brosmer, you know, ease back into things. And so he's done that. And he's, I think right now he's passed for 11 touchdowns and had a couple of interceptions and, you know, he's come along. So offensively, so those two guys, pretty good, pretty good offensive line. Uh, the team has more experience back there. And um, there are a couple of defensive ends, particularly a couple of sophomore defensive ends who each have, you know, several sacks, I think four and a half sacks or something like that um, for the season. And uh, that's Dylan Ruiz and Josiah Silver. Silver last year had 12 and a half sacks as a redshirt freshman. So he's, you know, he's it's pretty good last year. He started off again pretty good this year. So defense has been pretty good. But again, they, they had trouble against North Carolina Central. They had all kinds of trouble early on, especially against Western Michigan. Uh, the last the last game, you know, they, they just beat um, Stony Brook at home. You know, and the defense played pretty well. It was uh, 24-14. Defense probably played better than the offense. And um, though the offense did a couple things, but the defense really kind of, you know, uh, kind of led the way in that one. Um, UNH, yeah, definitely the most dangerous special teams opponent that Dartmouth has faced so far. They've got a couple punt return touchdowns. Is that part of the team's philosophy? Is making sure that they're dangerous on the so-called third phase of the game? Yeah, and that's that's kind of interesting this year. I mean, UNH has a new a new head coach. Uh, Rick Santos is the has been the associate head coach. He coached him in 2019 when Sean McDonald, a longtime coach, was on a medical leave. Um, and, and Rick Santos played here. He was a, a great player and a great quarterback at UNH. But, but I, I mentioned that by way of saying that they, they see, there seems to be a real renewed emphasis on, on special teams. I think they've got a, a guy named Garrett McLaughlin has come in, is, is his second year, and he's the special teams coordinator. And he's brought some stuff in, and they've, 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 they do really focus on it quite a bit. It seems like more than before. And um, I haven't done it yet, but they're, I've mentioned it several times in my stories, but I'm due to do a, I need to do a story on special teams because as you say, they've got a lobby was the one who had the 92 yard, you know, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, I think it was the first game they blocked a punt and returned that for a touchdown uh, in that, in the Towson game, which was the same game as the 92 yard punt return. The first First goal was set up by, a, oh, they opened the game with an onside kick that was successful, you know, and they got the ball there. So, you know, and the, the field goal kicking has been, it's right now, it's, you know, they're not kicking a lot of field goals, but they're, Nick Mazzi is a, the kicker and he's five for five and um, he had three in one game, you know, so he's been, he's been pretty good. So, yeah, they've been doing quite a bit with special teams that they're putting some focus on that. Yeah. Given, given all that, given Dartmouth has, uh, lost three close games in a row games that they, you know, they could have won. I don't think you can really say they should have or deserve to win any of those games, but you know, what kind of game are you expecting for this Saturday? 
I'm, I'm expecting a real good game. I mean, it's, I think, again, it's one of those games where these two teams, you know, they, they get together and, you know, it's the last, like I said, it'd be very streaky, but Dartmouth has won the last two games. And, and last year, Dartmouth really, really took it to UNH. I mean, UNH, had, I think UNH was, has, had come off a, a loss at Pittsburgh, a, a bad loss at Pittsburgh, had played a good game against James Madison, which was the class of this league and is now, now just got ranked what, in the, the FBS bowl and stuff, you know, they're pretty good. They've made it pretty easy or not easy, but pretty impressive transition to FBS football. Um, they played James Madison real well. And in, in UNH at the time, it started out three and oh, and they were, they were still three and two and Dartmouth came to, into Durham and gave UNH all kinds of trouble. And UNH had very difficult time stopping them. I think Dartmouth had 600 plus offensive yards. Um, so there's a little, I'm, I'm sure there's a little feeling that they'd like to get a little payback around UNH, but at the same time that, you know, they know Dartmouth is, uh, has, has really been on a roll in recent years and stuff. And, and obviously Dartmouth lost a lot. And you just said to me, I mean, I don't, I don't know the numbers and the names exactly, but you look at the number of Dartmouth players off, you know, the last couple of years teams that are right now playing FBS football and playing well. I mean, it's pretty impressive the kind of talent Dartmouth has had through there and, you know, I, I know um, what Nick Howard, I don't think, played on last Saturday, right? And But, but may play this Saturday. And yeah, you know, UNH did, had all kinds of trouble with him last year. Yeah, he did not. I, I got something today they should, uh, about how uh, it would make sense for them to uh, switch back to, to a two-quarterback system that they've had so much success with over the last few years. And yeah, um, yeah Dylan Cadwallader, the guy who uh, was second on the depth chart, played the full game uh, against Yale, and he, he hung in there. He did pretty well. Um, so I think those two can really complement each other pretty well. Yeah, and that that system certainly gave UNH fits last year. I mean, it was uh, it, again they 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 put a hurting on on UNH. So there's um you know again UNH is a different team. I think UNH you know they're they're comfortable. They're, you know they're getting more confident. They're just outside. Not that it means anything obviously, but you know they're just outside the top twenty five in the rankings. And you know they they need they need this game like everybody else does. And you know, but they, they recognize how, you know, well coached Dartmouth is certainly. And, and, you know, so I think it should be fun. I think it should be an interesting game and, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how well UNH does stopping, you know, Dartmouth's rush game particularly, or, or you know, if Nick Howard plays or, um, you know, just overall, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell our audience where they can find your work? I'm at um, unhwildcats.com is the website and I put stories up there and I, I'm at Twitter at UNH Insider, at UNH Insider. So, you know, I, I linked them there as well. And a lot of times they, they're being picked up by newspapers and, the, you know, the Concord Monitor uses some in the Seacoast area and, and papers around the state. Yeah, well, sounds great. I appreciate you taking the time to, to talk and break down this upcoming matchup a little bit. And you know, looking forward to meeting you on Saturday. All righty. Take care. Nice talking to you. You as well. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Alan for taking the time to talk with me. Great to hear his perspective on this game. Sounds like Dartmouth is going to have its hands full with Dylan Laubey on Saturday. Now here's my weekly interview with Dartmouth head coach, Buddy Tevens. Now joined as, as always by head coach Buddy Tevens getting ready for the Granite Bowl this Saturday, 1.30 kickoff at Memorial Field. Coach, how are you doing? All right, just getting uh, ready for a big one. Uh, UNH is a good football team, and we got to play well. Yeah, what was the mood like when your guys came back up from Yale last week, got together on Sunday, and then uh, starting the week of practice on Tuesday? 
Well, you know, any, anytime you lose, obviously there's a, there's a bad feeling and sometimes you're overly critical and then you watch the tape and think, you know, it was that close. And that was the uh, the feeling that we had. I thought our guys competed throughout, uh, could have checked out at 24 to seven, didn't do that. Uh, strengthened a little bit defensively, offensively, a little bit more productivity. Uh, there were missed opportunities. You know, obviously a long drive and a turnover down uh, near the goal line. Uh, uh, an interception that was negated due to a, a targeting call, uh, ball in the 35-yard line, and no points uh, offensively. And those are things that they shift the outcome of a ball game. And uh, I thought that we played better football against the best football team we played to date. And we're going to have to continue on that, you know, climb as we play UNH. Yeah, obviously a rivalry game uh, with a trophy at stake, but also for both teams, a break from the conference schedule. You know, how do you how have you typically treated this team in, in years past with this uh, being kind of coming in the middle of the IV schedule like this? Well, it's, uh, you know, we play the, the teams that are uh, assigned to us. Uh, and uh, obviously UNH has had a long history in the playoff football. Uh, we were not competitive for years and years and years. Uh, of late, a lot more competitive. And uh, so looking at the two best football programs in the state, you want to be named the best football team in the state. And uh, hopefully people around the state uh, take notice. Uh, it's two pretty good football teams and see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, sounds good. How's Nick Howard coming along, progressing? You, know, you said he was uh, hoping to play again this week. Uh, I'm sure he felt real bad after having to miss a game at, at any point. Yeah, he's such a competitor and he wanted to go, but I think it was the prudent thing to do to hold him uh, out. He'd taken a lot of hits uh, and he was sore. And so resting him and then playing Dylan Cadwallader, Cadwallader who obviously answered the bell. Uh, we thought he played exceptionally well, you know, 28 or 45, uh, under some duress. He showed great poise. Uh, he kept plays alive. The touchdown pass to Barrett in the end zone came off a, a scramble. Uh, so we expect him. He's got game baptism by fire so to speak and he showed that he's game ready so uh, the thought would be kind of revert back to what we've done in the past two quarterback system and let people guess who's playing and who's going to do what when they're in yeah how does Nick feel about sort of going back to that role uh, that he's he was so successful in last year as being sort of the, the running quarterback he um, I know he wanted to throw the ball a lot uh, this year and you know he did for the first few games but this should probably fit him a little bit better well, I think it gives him a, a little bit of relief. You know, one thing, he is such a tough physical runner. He's taking a pounding. And people know 17 is in the game. He is always a running threat. Uh, so they will kind of add a little bit of, of hitting incentive, if you will. And to know that he has a, can take a, a break uh, at some point. And uh, Cadwallader coming in, you know, he also can run as well. Yeah, nice score on a fourth down call uh, down in the goal line. You know, he's not averse to the run. So I think, one, we have two unselfish players. And they both understand they have skill sets that can help us win. And if the combined effort is going to result in, in, in W's, uh, they're all willing and ready and able uh, to, to contribute. Yeah, sounds good. A few injury updates from last week. Uh, Marcus White, uh, how's he doing? Yeah, Marcus, unfortunately, be lost for the season. Uh, okay. you know, broke a bone in his forearm. And, uh, it's, he's cast up to his bicep. So it's uh, regrettable. You hate to see that happen to a senior. A wonderful player, wonderful performer for us. Uh, but we have other guys that will step up, and he'll help coach those guys into becoming better players as well. Yeah, and then on the offensive line, uh, how's Griff Lehman doing? 
you know, Griff is probably going to give it a go. Uh, tough kid, and uh, it's not quite ready for prime time. Uh, the physicians uh, thoroughly evaluated and said, look, you have three options, and one of them is to try to play on it, and he's opted to go with that option. Uh, how long and how far, we'll find out. But again, he is a tough guy who really wants to play. Yeah, uh, sounds good. Uh, we're scouting UNH looks like they've got uh, they've got some playmakers offensively. Uh, their their running back has is off to a real nice start. Uh, what do you see out of some of those guys? What do you expect them to throw at you? Well, uh, seeing them on film, they've played a strong schedule, some outside opponents, and uh, they're four and two, uh, and play very very good football. Uh, just uh, physical, aggressive. They've got good athletes on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, their quarterback is a very accurate passer. Uh, he's not been running the ball quite as much as some you know, QBs of UNH in the, in the past, but he dishes the ball off well. Uh, the bubble screens and the uh, RPOs, we're going to have to be on guard for. You know, everyone has hurt us with them, and we need to get off blocks more effectively this week. I thought we made some progress in that regard last weekend, but again, hopefully another step forward. Uh, the running back is explosive and dangerous. Uh, people say, well, how do you stop him? Well, yeah, prayers and cross fingers, that's about it. Uh, he will have his opportunities. Uh, he heard us uh, two years or last year about an 80-yard run and just real quick can catch. They'll flex him out. They'll throw a screen it to him. They'll hand it to him. They'll pitch it to him. Uh, so that is that is a challenge. Good size offensive group. They get off the ball well. Uh, big old tight end. So are we going to have to be very, very physical up front. Uh, uh, last two weekends, uh, we have not stopped the run effectively, and that's going to be the challenge this uh, this week. Yeah, for sure. How about on the other side of the ball? What are they going to throw at you defensively? Well, they're a, you know, a four-two uh, defensive front, and so it, all the iterations that we're going to see from that, they're not afraid to pressure. Uh, they have a good size. They're probably not quite as big as we, we faced last week, but they are very, very athletic and very, very physical. Uh, downhill players at the linebacker position, which could make them vulnerable to play-action pass. Uh, secondary, uh, gifted, a uh, lot of quarter coverage, uh, good, confident guys that will break well on the ball. Uh, we got some guys outside that certainly present some problems. We saw that last week, you know, with the, Johnny Barrett with the 12 catches and Paxton Scott with seven and Jamal Cooney. Uh, but we need to have those guys show up and play very well and, and protect well enough to get the ball spread it around a little bit. Yeah, with those receivers, I was, I was focusing on them last week. Um, you notice a bit of a, a bit of a different mood, different vibe coming from that room now that they've sort of broken out a little bit. Well, I, I use the term unselfish uh, oh, probably too often, but the guys say whatever it takes, coach. So uh, they've been downfield blocking primarily. Uh, been effective with that and have opened up some seams for Nick or or Zach Bear or uh, Noah Roper. But to be in a position to catch balls, uh, that's why they play receiver. And uh, Saturday showed that we have the capability of protecting the quarterback and throwing the ball accurately to guys. Uh, they all have demonstrated the, the ability to catch and run. And uh, that's a critical point for us. So you get that little six, seven-yard uh, throw, and all of a sudden it's a 15, 18-yard uh, or longer gain. And then also Dylan did a nice job throwing the ball up to uh, Johnny Barrett on a couple of occasions, long balls and not nice catches, but well-placed balls for him and only him to make that to make the play. Yeah, and how are some of those running backs doing? I know Zach didn't touch the ball last week. Uh, Noah may have been banged up a little bit early in the game, uh, and and Q was you know didn't use him a ton after the fumble. Yeah, uh, we're getting healthier. 
uh, and it's kind of a day-to-day -day situation. You know, Bear, we'd expect to play a little bit. Uh, Roper, probably a little bit more. Q Jones, I think the more he plays, uh, the more comfortable he'll feel. And uh, uh, Joey Richmond also will, will be on the field. Tyler Green has gotten some plays in practice. So it's uh, ball carrier by committee. Uh, they're capable and we've got a number of them. So uh, the, the one that is most physically ready is the one that's going to get the, the playing time. Yeah, sounds good. What, what kind of crowd and atmosphere are you expecting back home? I know uh, UNH has a pretty decent sized fan base that'll travel for a, for a pretty short trip. Well, being in state, and there's a lot of obviously New Hampshire, Massachusetts kids on uh, the UNH's team. So I would imagine they'll have, they'll bring a good crowd. Uh, well attended last year down at UNH. Uh, Dartmouth, we've been pleased with the folks that have come out, uh, the 26s in particular, but kind of loud and proud. The weather's supposed to be nice, and uh, hopefully it's a great uh, afternoon for a great football game. All right, sounds good. Uh, well, thanks so much again for, for talking with me as always, and I'll see you there on Saturday. All right, well, Ben, appreciate your work and your professionalism, and we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks again to Coach for joining me. Now is our weekly whip-around coverage of the rest of the Ivy League. Harvard improved to 2-0 in conference play last Friday night with a hard-fought victory over a much-improved Cornell team, 35-28. The Big Red are now 0-2 in the Ivy League as Aiden Borgay rushed for 163 yards and a touchdown for the Crimson. Princeton stayed perfect with a 23-2 victory on the road at Lafayette led by an efficient day from quarterback Blake Stenstrom. Brown defeated Winless Central Connecticut on the road 27-20. Columbia beat Lowly Wagner 28-7 in Manhattan. And Penn improved to 4-0 with a 59-28 win over Georgetown in Washington, D.C. This weekend's action starts with a Friday night game in New Jersey with Princeton hosting Brown. Saturday's only conference game, Features Penn taking on Columbia at Franklin Field. Yale hosts winless Bucknell. Cornell welcomes Lehigh to Ithaca. And Harvard travels to the district to take on Howard. That's going to be it for this week. You can keep up with our episodes on Anchor.fm, on our website, Renews.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at BXRosenberg. Follow the Valley News Sports Desk on Twitter at sports underscore VN and on Instagram at Valley News Sports. Hope you enjoyed listening to Inside the Woods and be sure to check out the Valley News every day for more Dartmouth football and Upper Valley sports content. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.